You're tuned in to Last Word Radio. Last Word on Sports.com. And that is the last, last word. You're listening to the best damn sports talk in Philadelphia. It's Broad and Patterson Sports. Now crank it up and rip the novel. Welcome in, Philadelphia. This is Broad and Patterson Sports, and we are hyped today because we are just three days away from Eagles football, Sunday at 1 o'clock, Eagles-Redskins in D.C., and after all of the bullshit, after the draft, free agency, mini camp, training camp, OTAs, and a very boring, very uneventful preseason, the Eagles are back to regular season play this Sunday, and it feels great. It feels Wonderful. And if you're not excited, then you probably just don't have a pulse. I mean, this is a huge game for the Eagles. This is a week one, first time in the NFL, a week one must win. What? Yep. A must win for the Eagles. And let me tell you why. Because the Redskins are on one hell of a roll against the Eagles in the last couple years. You cannot come out of the gates in this season, with all of the question marks facing your team and your coach, and lose a divisional game on the road, and go into Kansas City in Week 2, 0-1. It just simply cannot happen, because chances are, and this is my prediction for the first two weeks, and I will give you my prediction for all 16 in just a bit, but for Weeks 1 and 2, the Eagles will win on Sunday, 27-21, write it down, and week two, no score yet, but week two, they will lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. Couple of reasons why. Big Red is great when he has extra time to prepare. They're playing tonight against the Patriots, so they will have extra time to prepare for Doug Peterson. Oh, you know, just the guy that Andy Reid basically mentored in the NFL while he was being a coach. When he, when Peterson was coming up through what little coaching ranks he came up through, he did it all under Andy Reid. So do you really think that Doug Peterson is smart enough to outduel Andy Reid, the guy that taught him basically everything he knows about coaching? I think not. Andy Reid has been there, done that. He is one of the best coaches of all time, even without the Super Bowl. His resume speaks for itself. He is the best coach the Eagles have ever had. And really, when you think about it, he knows everything Doug Peterson's going to do before he's going to do it. You think Doug Peterson is smart enough to come up with a completely new game plan in a week to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, one of the hardest places to play in the NFL? No. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry to tell you. So the Eagles have a must-win game. And it is sad to already say that a game is must-win, but it just is. That's just the reality of the situation we're in. And it's because of the opponent, mostly. It's because of both opponents. It's because of the Redskins Week 1, and it's because of the Chiefs Week 2. And then they come home against the Giants. And I'll get into the schedule in a little bit. But 
This past week, while we're on the uh, subject of Doug Peterson, I want to touch on this. I want to touch on the comments of one Michael Lombardi. Uh, on the Ringer podcast, he came out with some pretty harsh words for uh, Doug P. Now, full disclosure, I am not the biggest Doug Peterson fan by any means. I don't think that he is a very good head coach. However, I don't think that he is the most unqualified head coach in the last 30 years. I think that's a stretch, and I think it was really uncalled for for uh, Michael Lombardi to say. Here's what he had to say in full. Rule number 13. The sooner you admit your mistake, the better off you'll be. My beloved 76ers hired a guy by the name of Roy Rubin from Long Island University. Poor Roy. He finished 4-47 and before the Sixers canned him. 4-47. and Years later, Fred Carter said letting Rubin coach the Sixers like letting a teenager run a big corporation. Hey, Fred, meet the Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson. Now, everyone knows Peterson isn't a head coach. He might be less qualified to coach a team than anyone I've seen in my 30-plus years in the NFL. Peterson was barely a coordinator before he became head coach. Can you imagine if we elected a United States president who didn't have any real training? Sorry, don't answer that. Look, the Eagles looked increasingly sloppy and unprepared as the 2016 season limped along. That ain't changing in 17. Only Carson Wentz can save Peterson's job, and Wentz actually got worse during his rookie year, not better. When will the Eagles admit their mistake? Will they throw away 17 stubbornly sticking to the Peterson principle? The immortal Roy Rubin lasted 51 games. I bet Doug Peterson lasts way less than that. So, a couple things that I have a problem with that Lombardi said. Number one, don't compare anybody to the losingest coach in one season in NBA history, especially don't cross sports to do it. Don't compare modern day Doug Peterson, who has a seven and nine record as a head coach in one year to a basketball coach who has, who coached a team to the worst record, I believe in sports history, the single season worst record in sports history. They are not comparable. Don't sit here and act like Doug Peter. I mean, Doug Peterson is not that bad, okay? He didn't coach the Eagles 0-16 last year. They were 7-9. Not where they wanted to be. Not good enough for the playoffs. But not as bad as where the Sixers were back in the day. So that's problem number one I have. Problem number two is now he's coming at the quarterback. He said Doug, He said that Wentz got worse and probably will this year. Based on what? Carson Wentz has had an entire offseason knowing he is the man in Philadelphia, whereas last year he thought he was a third-string guy. He missed all of preseason because of an injury. And this year he came in, and from day one, from the from – you know, whatever workouts they had, he was the guy, and he knew it. He had a full preseason, and he's ready to go. So there's no way that I could sit here and believe that Carson Wentz is going to get worse. Just not going to happen. And I'm going to get I just wanted to touch on this because Michael Lombardi is respected. And I hear him do radio interviews all the time, and it seemed like he knew what he was talking about. But here's the problem with today's world. People just say things to get a rise, and Michael Lombardi just out of nowhere 
for no reason, completely torched the Eagles head coach for no other reason than just to get people interested in what he had to say. And it's uncalled for. And like I said, I don't like Doug Peterson as the Eagles coach. I don't think he's going to be the guy to take them to the Super Bowl. And I've heard people compare him to Charlie Manuel, again, crossing sports, and saying that, well, no one thought that Charlie Manuel was the guy either. Okay, fair enough. But Charlie Manuel still won one World Series when he probably should have at least won two. And... There were some growing pains, but the Phillies are not the Eagles. The Phillies can get away with, especially at those times, they could get away with giving a guy five years of a chance to find out if he's worth whatever they're paying him. The Eagles are king in this city. They don't have time to sit around and keep giving Doug Peterson a chance year in and year out. This is his last year if the Eagles do not make the playoffs. Well, let me let me draw that back. If the Eagles finish 9-7 and seven and just miss the playoffs, he comes back. I think 8-8 eight and eight or less, Doug Peterson will not be your head coach next year, and he shouldn't. And that's all I have to say on the matter. Because I'm excited, and we should all be excited because football is back. And let's look ahead at this game. 27-24, the Eagles will win this game in Washington. They will break this awful losing streak they have against the Redskins. Yes, the Redskins. Now, they've played them tough in a couple of the games, but, I mean, there were the two years in a row that the Redskins ended their season, and that hurts, and that sucks. And screw you Redskins for doing that. I've been to Washington to watch a game. It was the uh, the Mark Sanchez game that he started for the Eagles, which ended their season. Washington is a dump. Their stadium is a dump. Their fans are loser fans that are just trying to hang on to relevance. That's my belief of the Redskins fans. Now, bold prediction, maybe. Alshon Jeffrey's getting two touchdowns in this game. That's just what's going to happen. Report came out. Uh, the Eagles believe Josh Norman is going to shadow Alshon. That's fine. Let him. Josh Norman is not a man coverage guy. Never has been. And that's just that that's that's just the facts. I think the last time they played each other, Alshon had five receptions for like 92 yards. So expect that to be matched plus two touchdowns. The Eagles are going to light the Redskins up because they have to. For their coach who got disrespected nationally and got made a mockery of nationally. They have to come out with fire. They have to win this game and win it big. That's just it. There's no other way around it. Carson Wentz has to have a great game. Alshon Jeffrey has to have a great game. And they have to establish a running game going into week two against the Chiefs. And they will. Maybe not the run. I mean, the running game is up to question. We'll see. But I think the passing game is going to be up. It's going to be going. And I think the same thing with the defense, because this out-of-the-gate week one is a huge test for this rebuilt Eagles defense. Jordan Reed, Terrell Pryor, Jamison Crowder, they have a pretty decent running game in Washington. In Robert Kelly, I guess he's leading the way, running back-wise. I mean, this is a huge test for the for the cornerbacks, for new cornerback, and he has a new number. Uh, 
Ronald Darby was 35, awful number. Now is 41, more respectable number. For him, it's huge. He's going up against, I don't want to say one of the best uh, wide receivers in the league, but one of the better in Terrell Pryor. You know, new acquisition for the Redskins, so we'll see how that goes. And a pretty, pretty decent, pretty good quarterback in Kirk Cousins. And he has carved up the Eagles during this losing streak that the Eagles are on. So this is a huge game for the Eagles, and no doubt it's a must-win because it's a tempo setter for the rest of the season. They have to come out with fire. They have to come out and back up their coach who got disrespected. They have to, have to, have to, have to, because they're not winning week two. And they can't come home 0-2 with another divisional game against a really good Giants team. If they lose this game, they're setting up for an early season slide that they cannot afford when they're trying to make the playoffs this year. Because they have to make the playoffs for their coach, they have to make the playoffs for their quarterback who needs needs the experience, and they have to make the playoffs because you have a lot of guys that are on one-year deals that you want to entice to come back here. Mainly Alshon Jeffrey. If they throw up a dud of a year, who knows if he's going to come back? They have a good year and they make the playoffs. No doubt he's coming back. So they need to put up a good year for the free agents, for the coach. I mean, there's so many reasons. Because if they don't make the playoffs this year, if they go 8-8, eight and eight, they fire Doug Peterson. I believe that. So basically what that's saying is now two years later, you're hiring a new coach and now you're raising more questions in your front office because who's going to be doing it? Is it going to be Howie again? Are you trusting him to make another coaching hire after going 0-2 with Chip and Doug? Or is Laurie just going to clean house and bring in completely new guys and just rebuild this thing? Which is kind of detrimental to your what will then be going into his third-year quarterback that you're claiming as your franchise guy so do you really want him to have to learn an entirely new scheme three years into his career probably not so that's why this year is so important and that's why this game one week one is so important because this game is setting it up for the rest of the year and this is probably extreme a lot of people probably don't agree with this but it's the facts this is setting up the entire season week one against the Redskins. If it was if it wasn't a divisional team, it probably wouldn't be as big a deal. But they only won two games last year in the division. One against the Giants who made the playoffs, that was a good win, and another against the Cowboys week 17 when the Cowboys were not playing anybody. So really one divisional win and the other has an asterisk next to it. That's what you're coming off of, and you're opening up your first three games. You're opening. You have two against your two against teams in your division, one that you haven't beaten your last five meetings. That you cannot lose again to the Redskins. Maybe the last four meetings doesn't matter. Can't do it. You can't keep up this win streak against the Redskins, who everyone's touting as the weakest team in the division. In a division that's close, granted, but. I mean, the, the Redskins are the Redskins. They're a dumpster fire. You see it in their front office. 
you see their quarterback is going on his second straight franchise tag. This is a team that you have to beat, and you have to beat them handedly. Now, I have them only winning by three. I'm playing it conservative just a bit because I think outside of Ronald Darby, there's holes in the secondary, mostly the cornerbacks, that might get exploited. And, you know, it remains to be seen if they're going to be able to get some sustained pressure on the quarterback. Now they have this revamped defensive line. A lot of depth. Derek Barnett. Chris Long came in for depth. Timmy Jernigan here. He's a a guy that just gets after the quarterback. And, of course, your returning guys, your big guys, Fletcher Cox, who's the highest-paid player on the team, needs to step up, needs to have a better year than he did last year, and Brandon Graham. So this is a defensive line that has a lot to prove because they had a bad year. I don't want to say they had a bad year. They had a down year last year, definitely. Fletcher Fletcher Cox mostly. Brandon Graham had a, by his standards, a good year, but, you know, maybe you would probably, you really want a little bit more out of him. And again, you have a bunch of other guys that are trying to prove something. Jernigan, his contract's up at the end of the year. What's he going to do? Derek Barnett is the rookie. You know, he's coming in. He had a really good preseason. He's coming in with a lot of, uh, Fanfare, a lot of you know, a lot of people are really high on him. Like my boys. So, what's he gonna do? And Chris Long, the not journeyman, but the weathered veteran that comes in off winning a Super Bowl and teaching all these lessons and uh, teaching the ways of the game to the younger guys. You know what? Is is he gonna? You know, maybe step up and, you know what. He's not. He's replacing Connor Barwin, and Connor Barwin had a bad last year. Last year was bad year for Connor Barwin. So really, if Chris Long gets you five, six sacks as a guy coming off the bench, you gotta be happy with that. So they have depth at the D line. It's just a matter of it comes down to scheme. It comes down to uh, Jim Schwartz. We saw him blitz a little bit more in the preseason. Is that going to keep up? You have to think it will if he did it in the preseason where you're not really showing anything that you are been working on. So who knows? I mean, there's like, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of questions with this team. Um, You know, Alshon Jeffrey's health. Mentioned the D-line. Linebacker depth. Cornerbacks outside. Well, even Ronald Darby because he's coming off of a down year last year. He had a good game against the Bills in the preseason, not the best game against the Dolphins in the preseason, so he's even a question mark. And he's a guy that you had to go out and trade for just to have some sort of an upgrade at cornerback. But with all of that said, I still think the Eagles win this game because I still think they're a better team than the Redskins. Redskins have players to fear, no doubt. And... You know, their their defense is pretty good. They had a pretty good draft. However, I just think the Eagles, if they don't come out hot, if they don't come out on fire, if they don't come out like their heads are on fire, then I think we have a problem. And I think all signs point to the coach as, you didn't prepare this team. You've had all offseason. And if they don't come out after the things that were said about their coach, 
then that's a problem, too. I'd like to take this time now. Probably should have did this at the beginning of the show, but just kind of doing this at the seat of my pants here to make a bit of an announcement, kind of exciting. Um, Every Eagles game, all 16 games this season, uh, brought in Patterson Sports and myself, it was really the same thing. And, of course, in partnership with Last Word on Sports Radio, we'll be, <coughs> excuse me, we'll be putting out a one-hour Eagles pregame show um, every game. Two hours before the game. So if it's a 1 o'clock game, we're going to go live at 11. 4 o'clock game, going live at 2. If it's a home game, you could find us in lot G2 of the Wells Fargo Center parking lot. If it's an away game, it'll just be remotely from my studio. So we're really excited about that. Um, really trying to give everybody a a new outlet, a new way, not, you know, turning away from the TV and the radio, seeing the same faces and the same ideas, the same takes that everyone else gives you. Trying to give you something fresh, something new, something a little bit more edgy, um, kind of a fan inside perspective into the game ahead, and maybe a little, you know, maybe a little... Uh, recap on the game that already happened. Of course, you're going to see that, and the uh, the home tailgates are going to be wild. You know, we'll get fans that are in the vicinity to come on and get their uh, take on the game. So it's going to be fun, and uh, we hope everybody enjoys it. And of course, that'll be on Block Talk Radio as well, as as well as this show obviously is in partnership with Last Word on Sports Radio, and that's great. But getting back to the Eagles, um. Not to steal a drop from a radio station, but getting back to the Eagles, cuts obviously happened this week, and the Eagles decided to roll with five running backs going into this season. Um, Didn't really make any sense to me. Still doesn't. And it's because of Donnell Pumphrey. Uh, I get they traded up in the fourth round, mistake number one, to draft him. Mistake number two, of course, was drafting him. Mistake number three is now that they kept him because he was very underwhelming in the preseason. And I know everyone says, oh, he's the replacement for Darren Sproles. Look, the Eagles have only had Darren Sproles for, what, four years? They've gotten along fine without a guy like Darren Sproles prior. There's only one team that has Darren Sproles. Yeah, there's other teams that have guys like him, but for the majority, most teams don't. And those teams are probably doing pretty well. A guy like Darren Sproles isn't a necessity. And everyone, look, everyone loves Darren Sproles, and I'm not saying I don't. But I'm saying you don't need Darren Sproles to succeed. They've had Darren Sproles and haven't succeeded with him. They haven't made the playoffs since they've had Darren Sproles. Maybe that first year with Chiff, I don't remember if he was there. I believe he was, but it doesn't matter. Problem number two is Donnell Pumphrey is not at all built like Darren Sproles. No one knows what I look like, probably, but we are built very similarly. Darren Sproles is short, yes, but he has size to him. He has some build. He has muscle. He's a stocky guy. He could fight off tackles if he needs to. He has a very low center of gravity and a very and very strong lower half of his body. And you look at Donnell Pumphrey, it looks like he's going to blow away in Hurricane Irma. By the way, how about that? The uh, I can't imagine being a a Buccaneers or Dolphins fan, and you're a couple days away from Week One of the season, and the game gets canceled because of this 
awful hurricane that's just barreling down in the state of Florida. And it's just going to, you know, what's this, two weeks after Harvey, and now Florida's about to get almost wiped out by Irma. It's going to be wild. It's going to be very sad. It's, you, you know, you, you obviously pray and hope everybody in Florida is okay, but you know that there's going to be a lot of devastation down there. Football takes a back seat, but this is a sports show, so you have to think of the sports things that are going involved in this decision. Somehow, by the grace of God, both teams had a week 11 bye. So now they're not having that. So they're essentially going 16 games straight, something no other team is going to have to do, which is that's big because week 11 is a pretty good bye week to have because you figure by then there's going to be guys that have injuries that you want to rest up, and that's not a thing anymore. You can't do that. You look at the Buccaneers, you know, this is a team that's playoff, you know, they are playoff hopefuls. And that bye week was coming in between being away at Atlanta and being away at Green Bay. And now they're going at Atlanta, at Miami, at Green Bay. That's tough. They're getting royally screwed. There were other options being talked about. Even having the game here in Philly was being talked about as a neutral location. Still having it on Sunday. But they were talking about they were going to move it to Friday, which I would have loved. Would have been awesome to watch football, a real meaningful football game on a Friday night. But that didn't happen, so they decided to cancel it, postpone it to Week 11. You got to be pissed if you're... Uh, I mean... I'm sure they're worried more about the hurricane than they are football, but that's just my take on that. So the Eagles' five running backs and Donnell Pumphrey, look, Corey Clement should have made this team. He gave the Eagles every reason to make this team, and that's why he's on this team. Donnell Pumphrey didn't. The only reason Donnell Pumphrey is on this team is because of what they invested in him to have him on this team. And to me, and I'm not a general manager, obviously, but to me... You can't, you have to take draft status out of it, okay? If a player, unless it's a first round, first or second round pick, you have to take draft status completely out of it. I don't care where you draft, I don't care what you did to acquire this guy. I don't care that you had a trade up. For God only knows what reason, you traded up to take Donnell Pumphrey, a five foot nothing, 100 pound running back from San Diego State. Just because he put up uh, good numbers in a spread offense where there's going to be holes from the run through, and he saw he couldn't hit holes in the NFL even going up against backups. So I don't care where you drafted him, what you had to trade up to get for him. Just admit you made a mistake and cut him. And if he's there, if he makes it through waivers, put him on the practice squad. That's fine. But he shouldn't be taking up a roster spot just because you spent a fourth round pick on him. Corey Clement. A undrafted free agent, local guy, should have been on this team because he played his way on this team. That's the feel-good story that every team looks for in training camp. The guy that plays his way on the team that shouldn't have been on the team. Undrafted, played his ass off all preseason. And everyone's going to say he was going up against third stringers. Well, good! So he was going up against inferior talent and he made them look inferior. That's what you want to see. That's what you ask for. If he went out there and looked bad against third third stringers, everyone would be knocking him, saying he's not a good player. So he went out against players that are worse off, that were worse than him, 
and he played good. He he made the most of the situation the Eagles put him in. You can't hold that against him because he went up against third stringers. That's who the Eagles put him against. It's not like he can just run on the field first quarter of the third preseason game and tap Wendell Smallwood on the back and say, you're out, I'm in. That's not going to happen. So he made the most out of the situation that he had. And he was very deserving of being on this team. And I don't know what five running backs is going to look like. I mean, apparently Wendell Smallwood's taking back kicks. That's iffy. So really, you're probably going with a three running back rotation, mostly. It's going to be Sproles, Blunt, and Smallwood. And now, I mean, you're so you're taking up two spots of, I mean, you look what they had. They had four running backs last year, and they barely used Kenyon Barner. So if they barely used the fourth running back last year, that means they're going to barely use the fourth running back this year, and the fifth running back isn't going to be active. And you could have used that in other positions. Another problem, Shelton Gibson, fifth-round pick, awful in the preseason, somehow made the team. Again, this is the product of draft. The fact that he was drafted is why he's on this team, because they essentially made two bad picks in the fourth and fifth round, and two guys that shouldn't be on this roster right now, but they are. So that's just what we have to deal with. Shelton Gibson's probably never going to see the field. They have two projects and two players they're hoping they can develop into guys that are going to be change or game changer-esque players. Shelton Gibson, obviously the home run hitter. They're hoping they could get a guy that they've been missing since Deshaun Jackson. And obviously we just mentioned Donnell Pumphrey guy they're hoping they could replace Darren Sproles with. So they basically have two project guys eating up room on the 53 that, like I said, Pumphrey's probably not going to be active. Because Clement, or Clement, however you pronounce his name, is just head and shoulders better than him. So you have a project at running back and a project at wide receiver that may become something. But all I know is Donnell Pumphrey has to hit, has to has to make the strength and conditioning coach for the Eagles, whoever that is, his best friend. That, I mean, that guy's got he's got to bulk up if he wants to play running back in the NFL. He's got to have some size on him or he's going to get killed. Going up against number ones in the big, t- you know, when the games matter, they're going to gun for the little guy carrying the ball, guaranteed. But let's not get too down. Let's not get too down on the negatives. Let's get excited. Let's get pumped up. Let's get going. Let's get going because we're three days, I repeat, we are three Days away from Eagles football. What an exciting time it is right now to be in Philadelphia and a Philadelphia sports fan. We've had a bit of a rough patch, admittedly. It's been it's been pretty bad lately. But finally, within the last month, the Phillies are again respectable to watch because they finally called up young players, more on that in a bit. The Eagles are about to start with this new rebuilt, revamped team, defense, offense, Carson Wentz, everything, Alshon Jeffrey, everyone's excited about it. That's great. The Flyers start, uh, well, next month, but the Flyers will be going into training camp very soon, and of course, early 
or later this month, early next month, the Sixers are going to be getting into training camp and preseason and all that. We're finally going to see Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz on the court together at the same time. It's so much going on, and it's all exciting. And it all starts Sunday at 1 o'clock in Washington, D.C. All of the hype. Uh-huh. Yup, you feel that? All the hype, all the excitement that's been building up is just going to explode all over the TV screen. All of us are going to explode in our pants, on the TV screen, wherever, however you watch the game, wherever you're at. Everyone's just going to have this explosion of excitement because football is finally back. And it starts tonight, and I'm even excited for tonight's game. That's a good game. Finally, a good Thursday night game. Chiefs, Patriots, you know, this, this, the, all these offensive weapons that the Patriots put around Tom Brady. What's going to happen with Brandon Cooks? You know, Mike Gillisley is a nice little running back for them. Is uh, Chris Hogan going to be what the guy he was last year? You know, there's a lot to look at. Alex Smith, you know, with Patrick Mahomes on his tail, you know, he's got to step it up. The, the Chiefs have a great defense. These are two good teams, two playoff teams from a year ago going head-to-head in a week one, game one, national te- nationally televised game. It's going to be great. Can't wait for tonight. I'm going to crack a couple beers, sit back, and watch real, meaningful NFL football. Speaking of that, I went to the Arena Bowl. And let me tell you, Anybody that tries to sell you on the bullshit that the AFL is football and is an exciting game is nothing more than either a liar or being paid by the either the soul or the AFL. Because arena football is an absolute travesty. It is an absolute joke. It is the most boring. I would rather watch six straight games of preseason football then have to sit through another one arena game. It was awful. I got the tickets, me and a buddy, got the tickets for $10. The day of the game, $10. We walked in to a semi-packed house, mostly of children and the elderly, and I tried my hardest to get excited and to get into the game and we were out by halftime. It was unbearable. It was unwatchable. Arena football is absolutely terrible. And you're going to hear guys on the radio that have something to do with the team that try to sell it as this great game. And they tried to, They were trying so hard for two weeks to build excitement for this Arena Bowl. And there was so much excitement built up that they had to give tickets away for $10. The arena f- sucks. Arena football is not football. It should basically be an entirely different game. I don't know who the wide receiver is for the soul. The guy that, I don't know, they, they run that like weird, and it's all in all of arena. They run that weird motion thing where the guy just gets like a 10-yard head. I don't know what the hell happens. But basically, here's Arena Football's game plan. Look to the guy that went in motion first. If he's not open, panic. You're playing on a 50-yard field. 
this guy, this wide receiver for the soul, I don't even know his name. I don't even, his name doesn't even deserve to be uttered. Twice in a row, in a row, was wide open. And as well you should be every time because you're getting a five-yard running start to blow past the defender. Twice in a row was wide open. The ball hit him in the hands once in the end zone and he dropped it. At that point is when I really started evaluating, reevaluating my life, every decision I ever made, because I was sitting in the stands actually watching that. I actually spent $10. I should have asked for a refund. I should be refunded by the Philadelphia Soul $10 that I had to sit through that because it was awful. And I blame myself for even making the decision of watching it. And anybody, anybody that tells you that the arena league is a good league, is a fun league, is a liar. They're lying to your face if they tell you that. I met a guy prior to the game, all amped up, blue wig on, cape, idiot. Complete idiot. That he gets that excited over that garbage. Complete idiot. I get you get excited about minor league baseball, minor league hockey, because those are guys that are actually in the system. They have an affiliation with the pro team. These are guys that you're hoping you're going to see one day. Instead, the arena league is just completely separate from the NFL. It's a completely separate entity. And it's not like this is a farm system where you stash players. No, it's just cast-offs. Division three college players that couldn't make it to the NFL and didn't want to move to Canada, so they decided to play on a shorter field because it thought they would make them look better. It's awful. It's so bad. It's so bad. And if they again, if they tell you that it's good, they lied. Whoever tells you that is a straight-up liar. I'm sorry to tell you. I don't care who it is. I don't care if your mom tells you. Um, yeah, they're lying. Bottom line. That's my that's my gripe. That's my little rant, if you will, on the Arena League. Uh, and, th- oh, the other thing. People that say that, you know, there's champions in, there's a championship in Philly or whatever nonsense because the soul won back-to-back. Yeah, you're also an idiot. Don't sell us that. I don't see any parades for the soul. I don't see them having 2 million people on Broad Street waiting to see the uh, the trophy go by. So Arena League, just fold already. All right. It's now time to do my season prediction game by game win-loss. Everybody loves to hear this, right? Win-loss for the Eagles for the 2017 season. Starting with week one. I already went through week one, week two. Redskins, win. Um, like I said, it's a must win. They know it. Doug Peterson came out and said that every game's a must win. Well, no shit. But this game especially, week one, division opponent, four straight losses to this team, can't come out of the gate on the road against the division team and lose. They have to win. It's, it is a must win. They will win. And I'm writing it down right here, 27 24 Eagles win on Sunday. Uh, week two against the Chiefs. I'm going to tally that as a loss. Again, 
Doug Peterson is just simply not smart enough to out-duel and out-coach Andy Reid, the man who taught him absolutely everything. Week three, they're finally at home. The fact that they opened two on the road is an absolute disgrace as far as I'm concerned. Week three, finally home. Another divisional game against the New York Giants. This is honestly a tough one. The Giants really helped out their offense this year. Again, their O-line has problems. No running game, but Brandon Marshall's a great acquisition. They still have a, a, a top, I'm hearing top five, top ten defense. <sighs> This is a tough one, but I'm going to give it to the Giants. I'm going to so the Eagles starting off so far 1 and 2 before they hit the road again. 3 of 4 games to start the season on the road. Again, disgrace, terrible scheduling by the NFL. Week number 4 against the San Diego Chargers. The Chargers suck. Um you know, they have some weapons, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, uh, Phil Rivers is you know still a, a, a t- upper echelon quarterback in the league, but um, you know after losing to the Giants, you know again the you know going to the West Coast might hurt them, but I'm going to give it to the Eagles. And then they come back home against the Cardinals for Week Five. <sighs> again, this is a tough one. You know I feel like they've played the Cardinals a lot recently and I hate Bruce Arians because of what he said about you know it still grinds my gears about what he said about Chip Kelly I'm gonna give it to the Eagles I am you know David Johnson is obviously a huge deal uh but I think the Eagles have the line they have the linebackers that can contain him maybe not stop him uh Larry Fitzgerald you know he is what he is Outside of that, their passing game, you know, has a lot to be proven. Carson Palmer's like a thousand years old at this point. So yeah. Three and two at this point to week five, week six. This is a Thursday nighter against the Panthers. That's a loss. Short week, tough game coming off against the uh the Cardinals. Not a lot of time to prepare. Doug Peterson can barely get his team prepared for, you know, a full lay you know, a full rest. So going into the uh the short week against the Panthers I have as a loss. And then back home again against the Redskins week seven. Um, They beat them as I have it, beating them this week, 27-24 week one. I'm going to, you know what? <clears throat> Give me the season sweep of the Redskins. Give me the season sweep. Let's get off this uh, this little downturn against the Redskins. Give me that win. Uh, week eight at home against the 49ers. That's a win. 49ers suck. Nothing else about that. Um, week nine, Broncos. That's a loss. Too good of a defense. Uh, offensive weapons, C.J. Anderson. You know, he's not the greatest, but he's a pretty serviceable running back for sure. Um, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, they don't have much of a quarterback, especially if Brock Osweiler back with the Broncos, um, yeah, who knows, um, who knows what, what their quarterback situation is going to be, but I think their receivers are good enough, they'll give the, uh, Eagles corner some fits, and then finally, week 10, circle it on your calendars, the, uh, Sunday night primetime game, Eagles, Cowboys in Dallas, and I'm gonna take it as a loss, um, yeah, I mean, I I just think they're going to split. 
with... I probably have them splitting with the entire division. So, you know, they'll, win, they'll lose on the road. They'll win Week 17 against the Cowboys, but, uh, yeah, the first meeting, I know. And the Bears, Week 11, chalked it up as a win. Come on now. Let's, uh... You know, I don't know where their bye week is in all of this. That's a problem. So we'll just go off of the uh, weeks and just give you the straight games. My bad. Uh, against the Bears, that's a win. Then they go to Seattle for one of two uh, straight West Coast games. They'll lose to Seattle. They'll beat the Rams. They'll beat the Giants. The Raiders on Christmas night. Damn. I'm going to give it to the Raiders. And then, of course, I said they're going to beat the Cowboys Week 17. So by my tally, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 wins, 7 losses, 9 and 7 for the Eagles. That's my prediction. A cusp playoff team may happen. Likely won't. They'll be a bubble team. Um, Who knows? You know, the Giants got in a couple years ago at 9 and 7 and won the Super Bowl. I'm not sitting here telling you that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. But, stranger things have happened. But I'm not predicting it. But, it's very possible they can make the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. Um, Especially, you know, hopefully the Cowboys fall through a little bit in that game. Uh, that game, Week 17, has some meaning. It didn't last year. You know, maybe we'll be fighting for second place or something. Or the final wild card spot. Something cool like that. Give the... You know, they keep scheduling the Eagles-Cowboys games for Week 17, which is great. I love it, but, you know, it, it's it's not as exciting. It loses the Eagles-Cowboys gravitas, if you will, if they're not playing for anything. So that's that. 9-7 and seven for the Eagles from me this year. I'm hoping to be wrong on the plus side. 10-6, and six, I think, gets them in. 11-5 and five obviously does. 11 wins is a stretch. 10 wins as possible. Um, just looking back at the schedule that I gave them, you know, wins or losses where there could, that could possibly be wins. The Panthers on that Thursday, excuse me, the Panthers on that Thursday night could be a win. Um, they play the Giants pretty well. They could beat them once. They could beat them twice. They could, you know, the Cowboys are a toss up. We don't know what they're going to be. Um, so who knows? But that's uh that's where I have them at nine and seven. So I'm gonna roll out this new segment right now. Um a segment that I like to call Go to Hell. And this is just me looking at the landscape of sports through the past week. We're gonna do it once a week. Yeah, we're gonna try it out on the Thursday episode here, just to kind of give it a you know, a little bit. But uh, a little um, little segment, like I said, I like to call Go to Hell, and it's just going to be me going after certain entities, people, teams, whatever, in sports that just need to go to hell. So, number one, I talked about him earlier. I'm going to bring it back, and here's the comments Michael Lombardi said about Doug Peterson. Sixers tandem 
44 and 47. Years later, Fred Carter said letting Reuben coach the Sixers like letting a teenager run a big corporation. Hey, Fred, meet the Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson. Now, everyone knows Peterson isn't a head coach. He might be less qualified to coach a team than anyone I've seen in my 30-plus years in the NFL. Peterson was barely a coordinator before he became head coach. Can you imagine if we elected a United States president who didn't have any real training? Sorry, don't, don't answer that. Look, the Eagles looked increasingly sloppy and unprepared as the 2016 season limped along. That ain't changing in 17. Only Carson Wentz can save Peterson's job, and Wentz actually got worse during his rookie year, not better. When will the Eagles admit their mistakes? Will they throw away 17 stubbornly sticking to the Peterson principle? The immortal Roy Rubin lasted 51 games. I bet Doug Peterson lasts way less than that. So here's the thing. There's this new thing in sports in the last few years, This, uh, especially in the coverage of sports, and everyone wants to come out with these hot takes. And you see the Skip Baylesses of the world, Michael Lombardi comes out with stuff like this. Colin Cowherd comes out with nonsense sometimes. Uh, Charles Whitaker is that the guy on Fox Sports. It's a lot of these guys on Fox Sports that just come out and say outlandish shit that should not be said. Just dumb stuff to grab headlines, get people talking, and there's no integrity to what they say. And it makes you lose respect for the guy saying it. Michael Lombardi coming out and saying what he said about Doug Peterson is garbage. It's trash. He's a respected guy in the league. He did not need to stoop that low. Doug Peterson chose the high road, and you could tell that he didn't really know much of anything about what uh, Lombardi said. Um, this is what he said. Somebody here, Mr. Lurie, Howie Roseman, the guys, thought I was qualified. And that's 100% true. And that's all that he has to worry about. Um, you know, Doug Peterson... You know, I, he's, I'm not his biggest fan, but for Lombardi to come out and say the garbage that he did is nuts. And for all the idiots out there, these headline-grabbing morons that are just there trying to make a splash and, you know, draw ratings and stuff like that, go to hell. Number two on this list, Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys and their fans, their followers, need to give it up. This whole, every time a big player gets suspended, the lawsuits, prolongs everything, it's all nonsense. Zeke, take it on the chin. You're a, you're, you're, you're a trash person, okay? You're a low-life scumbag. You've done scumbag things. Just accept the six-game suspension. In no other league do you see this stuff where players get suspended and there's a lawsuit between the players association and the and the commissioner and it just draws everything out seek cowboys fans go to hell number three on the list nobody wants to be on is matt clinton i went after him before and i'm going okay. because what he's done with this team this year is a travesty it's a joke it's an embarrassment to the fans and to the players of the team finally reese hoskins comes up he's tearing the cover off the J.P. Crawford, somebody who we've heard about for the last three to four years about this can't-miss prospect, just finally this week makes his MLB debut. This team is now finally in September being able to reach watchable status because they waited this long to call up these young guys while we had to stab ourselves in the eye all summer watching guys like Howie Kendrick and 
Michael Saunders and idiots like that, but just bad players. Clay Buckholtz, and for the one inning he pitched, it's a it, it's an embarrassment. I'll say it again. It's an embarrassment at what the Phillies did this year. It's an embarrassment it took them this long to call up these guys. They should have been up from the start. Finally, they are. They're starting to mesh the team. They're putting some wins together. It's exciting to watch them now because you're looking into the future. And it's all Matt Klentak's fault that it took this year, this long. And then he wasted this whole year. And they're finally, they're only going to get a month together before next offseason, next spring training, that he's going to say that everyone has to fight for their job again. Matt Klentak, go to hell. That's it for that uh, wonderful segment called Go to Hell. Um, I guess we'll just put a button on this whole show. So again, huge game for the Eagles. Huge must-win game week one. Eagles, Redskins, I'll say it again. Must-win week one for the Eagles. I have it 27-24 victory. Alshon Jeffrey, watch him go off for two touchdowns. Carson Wentz is going to have a great game. Um, Hell, why not? Look at the look for the bomb to Tory Smith. Let's just get everybody involved. Let's show off these new free agent weapons. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a great game to watch. Sit back, relax, crack a beer, eat a burger, brat, hot dog, ribs. Just just get fat. Just get fat and watch football. Because that's what we do in America. That's what we do in Philadelphia. We get fat and we watch football. Yeah, can't wait. Check out eleven o'clock on Sunday the Broad and Patterson Sports pregame show. I'll be looking at the game ahead, the inactives, the actives, and everything like that. Any injuries that happen to come up, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a great year. It's gonna be a fun year. And obviously, as I mentioned, that pregame show will be every week, two hours before kickoff. And that's something I'm really looking forward to, and I hope everybody likes it. This was a fun show. It's good to get back to football. I can't wait. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. I can't wait. And I know you can't either. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. Get excited because you're going to be a disappointed week two against the Chiefs. So as for me, if you wanted to follow me, if you want to see my hot takes on Twitter, that's at MarkFlagman2. And follow the show at at BroadPatSports. And, uh, of course, follow the mothership. Uh, last word on sports, last word on sports radio. That's who our partner is in this whole, uh, in this whole day. So until next week, again, on, um, Tuesday, 10 o'clock, 10 to 11, Tuesday morning, 10 to 11, Thursday morning. Um, we'll be recapping on Tuesday. I'll be recapping on Tuesday the week one matchup, the week one win, the 27-24 win against the Washington Redskins. And, of course, tune in Sunday at 11 a.m. for the uh, Broad and Patterson Sports pregame show here on Block Talk Radio live. And you can call in, you can tweet. It's going to be a lot of fun. So until then, let's go Eagles! <laughs>